episode 13 of Wilson Arts and Beyond, a podcast by Wilson Arts in Wilson, North Carolina. Today we're excited to bring you a special episode of the show. We're going to share with you Sarah Emerson's Artist Talk, an exhibition featuring her work, The Unbearable Flatness of Being, is currently on display in the Arts Center. So please enjoy her talk and make sure you stop by to see her work on display through April 7th. Hi, my name is Dee Dee Oliver. I'm the Visual Arts Coordinator for Wilson Arts. We'd like to thank you for coming out this evening. Um, It's a great crowd. Um, We have been in this building since May of last year. And before that, we were in the Hammond Gallery, which is a beautiful gallery on its own. And they're actually, the Wilson Active Artists have an opening this evening from six to eight. If you'd like to go down there, go back and forth. Um, but timing is everything, and we would have not been able to have this amazing work in any other gallery, including our former space. Uh, so we are overjoyed, and it is my honor to introduce this evening Sarah Emerson. more central um, rather than on the side. I feel like I'm looking at the side of you, but um, uh, first of all, hello. Thank you so much for coming. I actually didn't expect to be holding a microphone, so I'm going (laughs) to try and feel comfortable with that. Um, But first, I just want to say thank you so much for coming. It's really, um, and also for having me here at Wilson Arts and giving me the opportunity to um, show this work. Um, can you guys hear me okay with this thing? Is that right? It feels like there's like 10 echoes. But um, I'm really excited to show this work. It's a beautiful space. Uh, Wilson is a lovely, lovely place, and I've just fallen in love with it. This is my second time here, and I first came just as a tourist, so I'm really excited to kind of just be here showing my work and kind of sharing this with you. Um, this is um, uh, this piece here that you're looking at. Well, this show is actually all one painting. Um, this is called The Unbearable Flatness of Being. Each painting, so you see here there's six behind me. You can see them all together, but actually the horizon line or the structure of the actual work continues from painting to painting around um, So this painting connects to the other painting and the other one and so on. So they can be uh, one big panorama or it can be divided into four sections. Um, This work really is sort of the culmination of many, many years of studying landscape. And um, I really wanted, when I created this work, I really wanted to create a, a landscape that you could really be part of. So there's like nothing figurative in my work. There's not, there's eyes and things, there's things kind of looking back at you that are animated, but really the viewer is the figure. You are the witness to the landscape. You are part of the landscape. So with these pieces, I was able to create something really big that would hopefully immerse you in sort of this imaginative space. Um, I can't really talk too much about this work without setting up a little bit of context. So um, I've always worked with landscape 
whether that's the woods. I guess I came to art sort of through literature. Um, so I was always fascinated about how the woods symbolize the great unknown or something wild. So you go into the forest and it represented a space we didn't really understand. Um, so the landscape became a really good vehicle for me to sort of talk about maybe bigger issues that were happening around me without actually putting, or around all of us, without putting things specifically in the work. So the landscape can be uh, more of a symbol of something more psychological, something that's not necessarily, um, a, it's not a documentation of a real space. It's a space that's created by our entry within it. Um, so before I made this work, I was working very specifically from um, one specific place for a period of time, so or specific events in a place for a period of time. So I was looking at battlefields. I was specifically interested in landscapes that had been altered significantly by a man-made disaster or a natural disaster and kind of looking at how those spaces recovered, you know. Um, so, and just kind of looking at battlefields alone or, or you know, you, you look at battlefields and there's kind of like, especially in North Carolina, like spaces that are kind of left open. So they're like memorials, nobody builds on them. Or they are, you know, built up and then there are remnants kind of reminding you around the city. So there are things... Do you have witness trees here? Has anybody heard of a witness tree? So there's witness trees that kind of house shrapnel from battles. And so if they've built on a town and you, you know, you have a tree, the historic society would want to save the tree because it's a witness tree to a particular event that happened. And so I was really fascinated by traumatic events that happened, um, whether they're man-made or natural, and then how we would recover. So I spent a lot of time looking at battlefields. I spent a lot of time um, working on different series related to those events. Um, so if you look at battlefields, for instance, in the south of France, they're basically rolling beautiful hills now. So the trenches are now hills filled with, they look beautiful pastures. And so the recovery of that space and the way we encounter that space is very different than what we know about that space, what really happened in that space. We remember it, we wanna think, we wanna do better, but um, that space exists totally separate. So when I'm making paintings, I'm not necessarily trying to document those events, but understand, or create something more apocryphal, something new from those events. So it's, apocryphal is really a literary term, so it's based on a real place, it's based on a real experience, but the experience itself doesn't exist anymore, right? We look at, we look at the battlefield or any other kind of space differently because we're looking at based on the lens we understand about that history or what we think about that, what we want to do better now. So it, we're looking at it from the position we're in now. So the past and the present um, and the future kind of all happens at once. So painting, rather than trying to document um, one event, I'm trying to imagine what that kind of an animated landscape, how the landscape becomes something different and how it begins to represent the story, the history, and um, 
maybe all those things at once. And some, it can represent renewal. It can be traumatic, um, all that. So just a little bit of context about the series I was working before I started this. At the time I was working on those pieces, I had been working with the battlefields, and then there were also other big man-made disasters that happened. So we had like a um, the BP oil spill, which was created by... <laughs> that was a natural disaster that was also coupled with a man-made disaster and a socio-ecological disaster, political disaster. Um, and all that stuff was happening in the work, and I was beginning to study all that stuff at once, and everything was starting to kind of flatten out, and where one experience couldn't be separated from the next. So if an apocalyptic moment was happening in my hometown of Slidell, I couldn't separate what that looked like or how that renewal was going to happen from the battlefields that I was looking at. So um, as all that was going on, I was trying to, just like anybody else, I'm sort of absorbing the events that are kind of happening um, around us. And in 2011, uh, we had the Japanese tsunami and the earthquake, and there were all these gigantic black waves taking over everything. It's just completely all in the media. So uh, in investigating all those spaces, it's very hard to remain hopeful, right? So you're looking for spaces of renewal, hope, well, I was, <laughs> I'm sure everybody was. We're looking for things that can be better, how we can move forward. And so it is very hopeful to look at some of the places and see that, you know, the poppy grows in violence um, or like very hostile environments. It can survive. So in thinking about all that, I thought, how, how can all those moments, how can all that history, how can all that experience kind of happen all at once, all the time? Because in your mind, it is happening all, well, it's happening all the time. You're like moving through your day and terrible things are happening as in the news right now. And so it's, you know, the more investigating I did or the more research I did, I thought how painful it is that we keep making the same mistakes, how hard it is to um, say that it will be better or tell your kids that it will be better, your friends or your loved ones, but you do, you have hope and you know that it will be better. It can be better. Um, so it's kind of the kind of lead into what it is to be sort of the unbearable flatness, right? It's, I don't want to document one thing because none of us are one thing or one way we experience a place or an emotion. We're experiencing many things at once and making sense of it. So with this work, I really wanted to take some of all that stuff that was kind of in all the other work and create a completely separate landscape that was sort of outside of that but included all those events. So really sort of like a landscape of events, which if any, some of you might have heard that term before, um, but where the landscape itself could evolve and become something, you know, start off very chaotic. So this series of works, all 18 paintings go together, but there are four sections. 
So this would be kind of like the middle section. Um, they start sort of chaotic in the other room where there's a lot of dense forest spaces and the only place you kind of engage with that landscape is in sort of like these black reflecting areas where maybe there's some eyes looking back at you and you kind of go in that way. But they're very dense and chaotic and tumultuous and there's things kind of like the ground doesn't look stable, like it's being devoured. Or, and then there's beautiful flowers. You know, the most toxic flowers are, are beautiful. <laughs> They're the brightest colors. So, and then the next series goes to the darkness. And so that is called, like, Where the Light Is, is Darkness. Um, and that's a little bit of a John Milton Paradise Lost reference. Um, and I was thinking about that phrase really is sort of like, so like, you know, you have all this kind of tumultuous stuff going on. We're not, you're the, you're the viewer, you're an active participant, you're a witness to those events. Um, darkness may descend, but that is actually a place for renewal. And so the next step would be this series of this six paintings here, and then it kind of moves around to the other room, um, where it's a little bit brighter, and then those paintings actually come back to the start. Um, back to the chaos, because that cycle is sort of never-ending. Um, the, um, the last two paintings, uh, those are called, they're on the other side of the room, they're called Here's Looking at You, um, and I'm sure somebody will maybe ask about the Kilroy. It's one of the first phrases for graffiti, and actually it had different, uh, different countries had different names, not Kilroy, but like, Chad and I think Fu. There were all of the different kinds of names, but that was particularly American graffiti during World War II. And I included it because the work, well, one, because again, at, at some point, and you might see it in the video, I did paint a figure in the work and then decided, no, no, the figure is, is you or it's me. It's, it's you encountering the work. There's not people here. This is what happens when the people aren't here. Um, but I really wanted there to be some kind of remnant that people were here or they, somebody was maybe there before you because you're not really alone. And, uh, I don't know, has anybody seen that graffiti killer I was here in a bathroom or something when they were a teenager? But I did, but <laughs> I mean, it was one of the first things you see on like a bathroom stall and it's like a face and, uh, the little hands coming down. Nobody saw that. <laughs> I was just like alone. Um, but if you look it up, you'll see I'm, I'm not crazy. Um, but I could, I've already talked for like 15 minutes about all kinds of stuff, but I really wanted this work to embody all that but still have some kind of, it'd be a new space where all those kind of events could be reconciled here, but then the landscape also was sort of animated and absorbing those events and becoming something different. Um, but that there would be some semblance that there people were here, there was a person here, we were here messing stuff up or trying to fix it. Um, but... Um, it is interesting kind of looking at this work now. I completed this work in 2015. So it's been a lot, there's been a lot of change since then. And at the time I described, so painting because it's so flat, it can, you know, you can make it sort of realistic. My work's not realistic, but you can make it realistic, but that flatness, you can really combine a lot of things on the surface at once. 
And at the time, I was thinking about that very literally, like how in our memories, we are learning about things, experiencing events, and, and still like little events in our life, and all that gets super flat. And then I was trying to actually literally translate to the surface of paint or canvas. And when I was thinking about the work as it is now, we are even even faster now. Like when I was making this work, the tsunami happened and those waves really did affect how the, the actual painting came together because I felt like all, everything was just kind of being pushed through. And, you know, that was all you could see for weeks is that footage and it just cars, buildings, people, everything just being pushed through. And... It's interesting looking now, uh, you know, we've got images in the, you know, on our TV all the time, but we're also constantly being giving information. Um, you don't go anywhere without getting notified about the news or some kind of visual happening. So even more so now, we're sort of in a flat space where everything's happening at once. And some of it is beyond our control and some of it isn't, you know, but um, it's kind of all happening at once. Um, so I think looking at it now, it's kind of interesting to think um, how uh, fast information comes and uh, how much that can influence our perspective or our psychological landscape and the way we kind of interact with the world. So I think that for me, I wanted to create even though this was made in 2015, this flat space, it feels very relevant now because I feel like we're kind of engaged in so many things at once. But um, I don't know how other people feel about that, if they feel kind of bombarded by the layers. Like very physically in the painting, I tried to create a lot of layers and movement through so it's hard to focus sometimes. And maybe you think you've got your eye on something and then all of a sudden it kind of shifts you. You're shifted by a color or a shape to another space. Um, so that distraction kind of keeps you flowing and, and thinking about that change. All right, is that it? <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. I just want to say thank you very much for everything. Thank you. And thank you, Alan and Jeff and Kai. Thank you <laughs> for everybody like doing everything. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. As always, we want to thank you and our guests for joining us. We also want to thank Marshall Max Lamont Hamilton for providing our music. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Also, be sure to check out our website, wiltsonarts.com, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WiltsonArtsNC for the latest information about our events. Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time.